just wondered if we could start with some team news, please. How is Ben, me, and uh, any other issues over the last few days, maybe? Um, we're not too bad with other issues. Ben's going to be touch and go, I think, um, to whether he makes it and obviously the risk and reward of that scenario. So we'll wait and see on more news tomorrow on him. Um, it is it is more of a knock, which is favourable rather than a twist. Um, but it's it's whether he makes it in time, I think, and whether it can settle down in time. What's the um, the move been like since the Leicester loss? I think I'm right in saying it was it was just your second defeat in eight games. Came on the back of some good performances, some good results. But you said yourself there were aspects of the performance you weren't too happy with. So what's the reaction been the past few days? No, the mood's been good. I mean, the reaction's been good. You know, it's the first time I think I've referenced ever than a first half against Manchester United when they were when they were strong. It must be said, um, and we came back into that game, but. Other than that, it's the first time we've come off of, of a real good performance consistency. Uh, we weren't we weren't far off. I mean, we, we gave away two sloppy goals in the end and that cost us. But the general performance wasn't far off. It just wasn't there wasn't as um, as clear focus and as clear mindedness as what we've shown in other uh, performances recently. So, you know, we're we're a constant work in progress. I always say that, but we are. Um, so, you know, I've got to be careful of my demand because the the players are given a lot here and they'll continue to do so. I'm sure of that. You um, obviously played Chelsea on Saturday. Um, big story developing at Stamford Bridge, as you know. Do you think that's something that you could maybe take advantage of, that the ownership situation might be in the Chelsea players' minds? They seem to struggle a bit at Luton last night. Um, I doubt it. I mean, they've still got some top players. I, I didn't think they overly struggled at Luton. I thought Luton gave a very good performance. And, and Chelsea, as they do, they find big moments because they've got big players. Um you know, I think I think anything that does affect them, if it does affect them, um, you know, is is helpful. But I I, I don't really see that they suddenly become a, a bad team or anything. They've got some fine players, that's for sure. Um, so I'm thinking they're still going to be a solid outfit as a minimum. Um, you know, and even in a, what people have described as an indifferent run, I think they've only lost one in ten. So uh, you know, I think that's a fair reflection on the fact they're still a powerful side. I just wondered if you, you had a view on Abramovich's decision to sell the club. I mean, do you think it's the right call in the circumstances? I've, I have no clue of the, the, the links, the, the whys and wherefores of their club and the situation. Um, that'll be down to him and his decision. And just a final one from me. I mean, there's a bit of a cliche that games for teams close to the bottom of the table against the traditional big six sides, you know, they kind of don't decide whether teams go down or not, but... Do you think with 13 games left that really you need to take points from every game or is it games like this won't really affect your season? It's not about they won't affect them. I mean, you know, last year we went off to Liverpool and won there and, it, and it, you know, it's a big effect because it's not only the three points to feel and stuff like that. It is just statistically more difficult to beat these sides and I think that's shown across many seasons in the Premier League when, you know, teams outside of the, the sort of powerful six, eight clubs, statistically it's rare that they have a better record against them sort of sides than they do against others in the division. So I think there's just a balanced view of that side of things. But... We've shown before um, and, and even recently with a, with a very strong uh, performance and a good win against Tottenham that it can be done. Um, you do have to be at the top of your performance levels. I know that. So we've got to really focus on getting to that um, and taking on the game with that kind of... I suppose there is an added edge of free free thinking because of the fact that most people outside of your own group think that it's, you know, it's too much for you when you take these teams on. 
But we don't think that inside of our camp. You know, we think we can challenge and can be uh, competitive in this division against whoever we play, wherever we play them. Um, so that's our mentality going into this game. But it is a big challenge, of course, because they are, as I said, they're, they're still a very fine uh, group of players. Cheers, Sean. Good luck at the weekend. Thank you. <clears throat> Cheers, Sean. PLP. Hi, Sean. Hi. Um, I watched on Tuesday and it was, it, it was a real Burnley night, wasn't it? You know, team played really well. You described them as sloppy goals, but it, it must be pretty frustrating, for, you know, for you by the time you get home when you look back on that night. I think all losses are. You know, as a manager, you always feel that all losses can be prevented. Um, obviously, with rational thought and analysis afterwards, sometimes you hold your hands up. You know, been beaten by teams who have been too strong for us. You know, various times during our time in the Premier League, I just felt that the other night was one that kind of. We added to the fact that it went away from us. We didn't play with the, the clarity we have been playing and we gave away two soft situations. Uh, Nick Pope had played very well uh, and made some big saves for us. And we actually conceded from two situations that we didn't need to. Um, if a couple of the other ones had gone in against Pope, I'd have held my hands up. But we, we kind of didn't do the things that we normally do to prevent two situations which led to their goals, albeit the, the last one we were you know, pushing forward to try and get something from the game. Um, so that was my main bugbear. I just felt that we were on such a good performance uh, level over so many games that I, I just felt the energy was right, uh, which it was actually statistically. We were strong again physically. Um, but the detail wasn't right and we've done well with that over the previous seven games so we have to remind ourselves of how important that is and, and, and the other night Tuesday night does remind you of that because you need to get the details right all of the time in the Premier League so you get punished I was watching Backhurst and where, where Woodsy might have had eight years earning his trade at the likes of West Brom Birmingham Leicester he's come into the Premier League do, do you think he's finding out what he's let himself in for now? Uh, no, I think he's enjoying himself. Um, I think he's he's enjoying the challenge. He's, he's grasped what we're trying to achieve here. Um, and he's currently played a big part in activating on that and, and trying to change uh, the flow of traffic for us. I think he's done well so far. He has a chance on the, the other night, but he's in there um, on the far post to score, which which might have made a difference to the outcome. Uh, but no, he's, he's, he's done very, very well and he continues to work very hard for the team. Um, colleague mentioned earlier on about Chelsea and Abramovich. Obviously, you've been around football all the time that he's been there. How do you evaluate the Abramovich years? I mean, 19 years, 19 trophies, but possibly also in that time bought a cancelled culture that let the likes of Kevin De Bruyne and Mo Salah slip through the net, you know, a club that needs instant success. I don't imagine that he's running that club on every instance and every day-to-day -day moment. I would imagine there's a lots of opinions go into a running of a club like that. I think the very start of what you said, 19 tribes in 19 years, I don't think that's a bad start. I think he'd be reasonably happy with that. Um, all the other whys and wherefores are in-house situations. There's, I can't comment on whether players leave or, or, or stay there. Um, they're in-house situations. There's many reasons why players come and go to a football club. Um, but overall, I think when you look at the structure of the club, the size of the club, what it was and what it is, then I think, I don't know, but I imagine that most Chelsea fans would be pretty happy with the, the work that's been done there and certainly the amount of money that's been put in to try and get the club to where it is now as, a, as a, certainly a very, very recognised um, part of the Premier League and of world football. And, you know, I, I think that on that score, um, then I think most Chelsea fans would appreciate what's gone on over them years. Um, but you'd have to ask them, but that's what it seems to me. Cheers, Sean. Good luck. Thank you.
Thank you. Hello, Sean. Hi, Beardy. I'm just going to have a quick swig, mate. Oh, sorry. You have a swig. You Thank take you, your mate. time. Done. Thank you. <clears throat> Not a problem. Um, on Ben Me, the centre-half position, and me and Tarkovsky obviously have such an established partnership. With Collins coming in and making an impression... You've still got Kevin Long there as well. Are you kind of blessed in the centre-half department? Is there less worry about Ben potentially not making it now than perhaps there would have been early in, earlier in his time with the club? Well, I think all it is is that Kevin Long, we know, um, seasoned pro, looks after himself. He's always been ready and willing. Um, he didn't play early on in the season. He'd had a pretty long-term injury and he'd, he'd had hardly any football coming back. Uh, whereas Nathan Collins had come in and done a full pre-season and was fully fit and sharp. Excuse me. I think Nathan's more than justified his inclusion in the team when he's played um, with his performances. And he came into an awkward performance of the night. It's not easy when you're coming on as a centre-half and he did very well for the most part. Um, so I certainly, uh, I think that's added to our, our strength and our depth in them positions. But uh, like I say, I certainly don't, on the other hand, discount Kevin Long. He's been very unlucky with the timing of his injury uh, because early season we would have probably gone with Long if he'd excuse me, if he'd had more football. Uh, but equally, as I said, Nathan's come in and uh, done very, very well and he's adapting to the challenge very well. I heard you talk about the team selection, the changes that you made the other night, kind of with a view to the players' workload and how many games they had or hadn't played. Is that a, a sort of bigger consideration? Do you look longer term at the kind of workload stuff and the physical stuff? And with a few games still to schedule, is that a little bit up in the air sometimes? I think the thing that we've found is I don't, as you know, I don't rotate as the modern world calls it. I don't do that for the sake of it. It's not really something I bother too much with. And there are times when you get a squad level where I think the squad is very, very tight now on who plays and who doesn't. Maybe in the past we've had some gaps where I think you know the the, the players who are playing have a kind of a slightly better version of what maybe is not playing. Whereas now I think we've got a squad that's really, really tight, different skill sets, different type of players. So I think that gives you a bit more freedom to adapt and adjust. And sometimes, as I did the other night, for a bit of freshness. Now, it didn't have as big an effect on the night as what I thought it might have because our stats were still very strong um, physically. Um, but, you know, a couple of players coming back in. We'd asked a lot of Corky coming out of a spell when he wasn't playing so often to play back-to-back -back games. Um, a lot of J-Rod as well. Um, but he's been working ever so hard at his performances. So, you know, we do ask a lot of these players. So I think there's a time and a place when we felt it was right as I said, didn't quite have as big an effect on the on the night because we de uh, delivered a very strong physical performance anyway. Um, but you do sometimes want that bit of freshness for the players. Uh, as far as the planning goes, the, the training schedules and, and the workload for the players and stuff, how far in advance are you able to look? Are you obviously not thinking about the details of games, but are you thinking two, three, four weeks in advance for, for kind of who needs to train and who needs to play and who needs to play for the under-23s and stuff? Well, performance-wise, it's the next game's most important, as you know. But beyond that, we still have to be mindful of what players need, what game schedule. Do they need recovery games, as in been out injured? Do they Have they just not had a game for a while, so they've been fit, but they've been around the, the bench and they've been doing their extra bits of work, but still to keep their eye in and keep that real match fitness? Do they need that? Um, sometimes the, the prevention situation, like it's been difficult with Maxwell because he's come in and went away and hardly played or not as much as he would have liked came back, few days off, then you've got to recover, you've got to come into a game schedule that's really crammed. And so trying to get him fit without 
putting him at risk. You know, there's a lot goes on. It's, it's sometimes, you know, the thing that fans don't see, and I always reference, you don't want fans to know everything. It'd make it too boring if they had a, a view of every detail. But the things you sometimes forget is there's a lot goes on into monitoring what the players are trying to do. There's a lot goes on to the physical work, workloads and the balance between that rest and well-being of the players. So there is a lot to it. And sometimes fans don't see that. They get frustrated because whatever player is playing um, or not playing as the case maybe, we can, we can only get so much information out there. There's often a very good reason why that player is not playing. And sometimes it is to protect them and make them sharp and ready for whatever comes next. And, and it is a, it, there is a big juggling act and there is a big risk and reward. We've seen that over the last couple of seasons. We've had a pretty heavy um, injury situation. I think last year was slightly different. I think you know, but across, across the whole of the Premier League, there was more injuries, more soft tissue injuries, mainly because we think, we all think because of the game schedule and odd timings of games. Um, this season is similar but different because we've had the COVID situation ourselves, we've had games called off and it just adds to the games that need to be slotted in. So there's a lot more to it than people think than just rolling out 11 players. There is a lot more to it uh, to make sure the 11 you are putting out are as ready as they possibly can be to go and perform at the highest level. Due to the FA Cup, your game with Southampton is going to have to be rescheduled. I think there's still a couple that have got to go back in that schedule. Does that uncertainty, does not quite knowing those things make the planning more difficult? I think it's, it's better to know sooner. Um, so we'd certainly be looking at that. But they do have to slot in. Don't forget, it's not just our games. They have to slot them in around, whether it's Champions League nights and you know FA Cup situation, all of that, uh, whether that be in the Southampton situation. So it's not an easy situation for them. It's not always easy for us, but that's the challenge. You know, when these games are put in, we have to mould our, our thinking accordingly and get ready for what comes next. And then, as I said, still have an eye on a balanced view of their well-being and their, their ability to be as sharp as possible to play whatever game is uh, coming up. Uh, just on the Chelsea situation, obviously you've been involved in football a long time. You've been involved in a takeover at, at Burnley. You were kind of on the, the, the wrong end of a takeover at Watford. You ended up losing your job as a result of that. Just generally though, how easy or difficult is it to keep stuff that's not related to the pitch kind of away from preparations and conversations and the minds of people around the place? Well, in theory, it's simple because, you know, they're, they're, they're there to play football. They're contracted to play football. That's their profession. Um, they know what the challenge is. They know what's at stake. But, of course, the, the, the modern game, there's so many out, outlets and so many media hits and so many media streams going into players and outside views and noise. You know, it's not always as easy. You know, you're trying to manage your team internally, of course, and what you do and all the planning. But sometimes there's lots of external um, messages and news and sometimes uh, individuals, sometimes just at collective moments. And so I think it's just changing. I mean, I do think the modern player is probably savvy enough to that because it's not like, well, unless you're, unless you're very young and you're new to it. Most of the players know that. Um, but it's still tricky, you know, because there's a lot of voices, a lot of opinions going into players um, when you want them to just stay focused on what's right in front of them, which is usually the next game. Uh, and purely football-wise, if you can put in that performance and, and beat Tottenham a week or so ago, do you need to repeat that if you're going to beat Chelsea? I think you certainly need to play well against these sides. Um, I always say, you know, they might have a soft one, there might be decisions go your way. There certainly wasn't many of them the other night. Um, but yeah, they, you, you do need to perform well. In my experience, you need to perform very well to win against these teams and, and certainly good enough if you want to get um, a draw against these teams. So we, our players know that. We've got a pretty um, wise group. They know we'll have to be on uh, top of our performance to take these on. 
And you got a point at Stamford Bridge earlier in the season. How different are Chelsea, if different at all, compared to, to then now? Well, I was just saying that there's been a bit of noise as if there's some kind of, um, not, not uh, what's the word, like just, just not as strong as they were. But at the end of the day, they've only lost one in ten. So, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a message in itself. They're still a very, very strong outfit. Um, maybe just not currently where Liverpool and Man City are and what they're delivering, but very, very strong. So, we, you know, we've got to be realistic with that. As I said, equally, we have found ways of operating against these teams and we're going to have to do that again. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Cheers, Dan. Phil, yeah. Sure. Hi. I just want to dip back into team news, check if that's all right. Um, Eric, Eric Peters and Dale Stevens have been out in the squads. How are they looking for uh, the weekend? You know, it's a good point. Um, uh, I didn't mention them. Yeah, so Eric, Eric won't be involved. Um, Dale Stevens won't be involved at the weekend. Ben's touch and go. Um, Eric's going to be I mean I don't know the exact times but it's going to be a few weeks rather than days um, and we're waiting on news on Dale I don't think that was as serious could be training next week we'll find out more tomorrow sorry uh, Ben we'll, we'll find out more tomorrow yeah and, and other than Ben there was nothing nothing new to come from Tuesday's game no just just uh, recovery and, and, and things like that from a few knocks but nothing uh, that should get in the way I suppose the other thing I was going to mention from Tuesday's game is um, Nick Pope. You've already said already about the saves he made. Um, sort of good to see him put in, a, put in such a strong performance. And sort of how crucial a factor do you think he, he could be between now and the end of the season in terms of this survival battle? Obviously, you know, clean sheets are vital. Yeah, I mean, it's not just about him. He's got an able and working team in front of him. Uh, but when he's called upon, he, he has that ability to make big saves. And I thought there was a couple in there the other night from short range, which were very good. One down to his left, come through bodies, gets down super sharp. You know, people sometimes forget the, the big guy that he is, you know, 6'6"-ish. Six, six then he gets down super sharp to his left. Uh, one in the second half he makes, but you'd expect him to from a curling effort. Another one in the first half in short range when he stands up so big. I mean, they're good habits as a keeper and he's certainly got um, fast eyes, as I call it. He sees the picture very quickly and I think he improves at that all the time. That's great. Cheers. Thank you. Thank you very much. Joe Bradshaw. Hi, Sean. Hiya. Uh, I was going to ask you about, you mentioned before about uh, Maxwell um, and how he's sort of found it a little bit tricky um, maybe this year because of being uh, injured and then off at AFCON. I was wondering how, what you'd said to him to try and you know keep his morale going and get his get, see how we can help him get back to top form. Yeah, he doesn't need his morale keeping going. He's a good character. Um, and I think he, he will find the moments he has been doing. I don't think he's a million miles away the other night. He breaks the back line, nearly nicks a goal. Uh, one that's offside, of course. Maybe he could have held his run, but he's in there to try and score. Um, so players are and never far away from performance levels. You know, Josh Brown was a brilliant example. Of that. He was just a bit quiet in his performances. And then he was he was excellent against Liverpool. And he's never looked back. I think his performance has been outstanding the last number of games. Um, Aaron Lennon, people like that. So you can be kind of going along just steady, and then all of a sudden you take take fire again. You know, and I think we we certainly want Maxwell to play his part in doing that. Yeah, fair enough. Um, the other thing I was going to ask you. So you mentioned before about how recent performances against the top teams. Um, at Turf Moor particularly have been quite impressive how much confidence does that give you going into playing uh, another one of the big boys this weekend and what is it about I guess playing Burnley away that is is tough for these teams um, well I don't know about all of the stats but I think certainly recently I thought we were we were strong against Man United second half 
arguably one of our strongest performances against a, a good Liverpool side and, and I thought we deserved more strong against Tottenham um, and, and got a lovely win um, so there's a recent view of it um, our fans play their part um, you know in these games you're, it's certainly the underdog spirit and the underdog mentality and the fans get behind the side for that um, they always get behind the side but I think especially when there's a, a, a bigger team coming to turf um, but, but like I was saying you've Whatever happens in the games, you've got to play well. You know, the, these are top groups of, of players, you know, and, and there's varying uh, teams in the Premier League that have them and you've got to play well. So our marker is still about us. It's still about the right mentality to take the game on and being prepared to put a shift in physically because you have to. But equally, you know, playing your side in it and playing your part in it and making the game as much about you as possible. And I think we've got to continue to do that. Brilliant. All the best, Sean. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you very much, Joe. Alex James? Hi, Sean. Hi. I'm going to go for injuries part three, if, if I may. Is Mate Vidra, I know he was a while off. Is he back training at all yet? He's just, he's just back on the grass um, and, and in and out with the group at the moment. Obviously, we're not having major training sessions because obviously we're, we're kind of recovering and then getting ready for the next one. Um, but hopefully he'll get more training in next week. And Johan, do you think he will be back before the end of the season? Is that is that the sort of hope at the minute? Or We'll wait sure? and see. We'll wait and see because he's only literally just um, uh, recovering from the initial uh, injury. So once he uh, once he comes out of the boot that he's in and his, and his calf gets working again, we'll wait and see how quickly that, excuse me, that can recover. Yeah, no worries. I just wanted to ask you about the, the central midfielders as well or the group of central midfielders you've got. It seems, looking from the outside at the moment, it's quite a tight call between which two of, of Josh, um, Jack Cork and Ashley Westwood make it in, into that midfield 11? Just what sort of different dynamics do they bring in and how pleased have you been that with the level of competition they've been able to offer each other? Yeah, I mean, Dale, Dale's been in and out of injury, so I understand you're not mentioning him and I think the other three have played more football. Corky's, I think, sprung back to life. I think he was having a quiet period and then he's, he's come out of it and he's played very, very well. Uh, Westy, we know what a good campaigner is and, and I said earlier, Josh, Josh Browner was just... He was steady away, but without affecting the game as much. And then all of a sudden, he's really come to life. I think he's been terrific. Um, I think he really stepped on in the Liverpool game and, he, and he's continued that form. So, you know, good a good uh, current trio with Dale still not being quite fit, but a, a good current trio there. Do they have to adapt? I mean, we saw jo what Josh can offer in an attacking sense, a little bit at Brighton. Obviously, he was alongside Corky that day. Do they have to adapt depending on who they're playing with? And does that come into your thinking based on the opposition as well when, when you're picking a team? Well, there's only really Dale who hasn't played enough football with the other three <laughs> or the combinations um, that you mentioned. He's only really him. The others, the other or two out the other three, um, they know how to play together. Um, there's been the odd time when Josh Brown has gone in that number 10 sort of thing as well. Um, so they know how to play together but um, yeah I, I don't think they've had to adapt um, uh, too much because of their kind of know-how and their know-how through, through training as well don't forget um, You touched on, on how good Josh has been recently but heartening to see um, Jack Cork and with the experience he's got in the age he is and, and Ashley Westwood as well continuing to, to learn and develop and, and try and kick on the two of them are uh, very seasoned pros. We know that. Very experienced in the Premier League and they look after themselves and, and I, like, I like the fact they're very open-minded the, to their performance levels, you know, and I think both of them have done very well and Josh continues to progress as a Premier League player. Just one on the, on the Chelsea sort of situation off the pitch. It was touched on earlier. You, you had a period or a prolonged period where we were talking about a Burnley takeover for what, what seemed like months and months. Um, how, how difficult a position is that as a manager to fully focus on on your job at hand and, and sort of shut out all the outside noise and which is obviously where Thomas Tuchel finds himself at the minute 
Um, well, I certainly don't want to reference Thomas Tuchel. In my, in my experience, in my own experiences, it's not really difficult to get on with what you're doing. It's only if it starts getting involved with the back scenes and the finances and where the finance is going to be put in or not. Um, in our case, the financial situation was waiting to change. So therefore, as you can imagine, if you're, if you're selling something, you know, you're not going to just bundle out money everywhere and you're going to keep it in. It's like selling your house. You know what I mean? You're not going to suddenly rip the kitchen out, are you, if you're going to sell it? So, you know, it's the same sort of situation. You know, it's, it's quite simple in its format. But if you are managing things behind the scenes, that's a different thing. But the challenge right in front of you is still there. I mean, the challenge to get the team right, get them prepared and go and win games. That's what you're paid to do. That's the design. Um, obviously, in my situation, it's slightly different. I've, I have a bit more say in a lots of uh, different areas of the club. Not all of them are say, but quite a few. Um, some managers are more like head coaches, and therefore their job is to just get on with the team, and that's it. So it depends what club you're at, I think, uh, as well as the circumstances. And the last one, I see you've been supporting Jordan North and his, his Comic Relief Rowing Challenge, and, and the players have as well. Do you fancy a bit of that one day? A bit of rowing? No. Nope. Or... <laughs> I've had three. I've had three back operations. I'm pretty sure my back is not going to take sitting in a boat for five days. I'm pretty sure of that. There's other challenges I've been offered I might take on in my future, but I doubt rowing's going to be one of them. I don't think my back would take that. Four, nice four one, back operations actually. Four. Nice one. Cheers, Sean. All the best for the weekend. Cheers. Thanks.